0: That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over work by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 5-7. Time to cross the bridge with
1: Mike Bianchi and Mark Daniels on FM 969 The Game.
0: Powered by Advent Health. That is correct. Advent Help they are here to heal what hurts and ease your mind with whole person care. For more information, to learn more, go to adventhelp.com Musical theme? Hit souls from 2012. Uh, even I know I me mean, some Tay-Tay. Ooh, Mikey, you were swiftly, I forgot. I know a little Tay-Tay. love this. Love the video as well. Like the Kelsey and gets 11. in March. <laughs> uh,
1: wow. Mike, the big story is going to be, will uh, she be going to uh, Germany for the game against the Dolphins in a couple of weeks? I hope not. That means the
0: Dolphins are going to lose. <laughs> yeah. So... <sighs> No, the big news is there's actually a photo of her smooching Kelsey on the cheek. Big, big news. First, dis, first real public display mm. of affection. Yeah. PDA, I heard. Wow. Yeah. Did you see this photo? Did I see it,
1: Mike? Did. I have notifications on my phone that when something <laughs> between the two happens, it immediately
0: <laughs> triggers an alarm on my phone. Yes. By the way. Did you see my new fantasy football acquisition Jordan Addison last night Daniels getting it done getting it done KV play him play him the unbelievable highlight of Jordan Addison not just catching a touchdown pass but wrestling the the wrestling an interception out of the defender's hands shedding the defender aside and then scampering for a 60-yard touchdown. Do you have that? 16 seconds to go in the first half. Cousins on third and six. Big blitz
1: like Pete said. So Cousins fires over the middle and it is no caught way! by Addison. 20-10. Touchdown! That time, Jordan Addison stole it from Tarverius Ward. And it's a 60-yard touchdown. And the Vikings strike in the shadow of halftime, and they lead 16 <laughs> 7.
0: How'd that taste, Chris Vasquez. Vasquez traded me Jordan Addison. <laughs> <laughs> I bet
1: pit coach Pat Narduzzi was double birding the TV. Because remember when Jordan yeah. Addison left the pit to go to USC? And yeah, Arduzzi that's
0: was... why USC gave him all that money to go. Huh? What? Right? What are you talking about? <laughs> huh? Oh, wow. Anyway. Yeah. Is is it too much of an overreaction, Daniels, to say that maybe Brock Purdy Uh-oh. is turning turning Uh-oh. back into Mr. Irrelevant, Uh-oh. huh? Oh what what? <laughs> I'm just saying. I mean he looked terrible last week against the Browns. He throws two picks last night. Looks terrible. Kelly I, Kelly. Just ago, saying that then he just. I I, it, I asked you if it's too early to do that.
1: that. Is all I'm asking. But I then didn't a few say weeks I was ago, you said, uh, you know, you've had enough of a sample size.
0: I, I don't know free. that I actually. I think you're putting words into my mouth. Oh, okay. Quite frankly. Uh-huh. So, I, I'm just asking, Daniels. What if? What if? I don't know who the 49ers have next week, but what if it happens again next week? Hmm? He should be cut. No, Daniels, Just it's at least something in the back of everybody's mind right now, is it not? Well, uh, okay, uh, joking aside, we're doing what we
1: always do in situations Mm -hmm. like this where the great feel-good story rises above all and we wrap our arms around it because we love it, and then the minute that there's a crack... We just want to kind of rip it down, and and then everybody uh, I'm say, not doing that. that I'm just asking. No, 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 no. Asking. It will happen, Mike. Whether you do it or yeah. not, it's going to happen. And uh, um, two weeks ago, well, well, three games ago, against Dallas, he mm-hmm. throws four touchdowns, no interceptions, and they destroyed Dallas 42-10. to The Niners are yeah. 5 and Everybody feels great. Best team in football. Two weeks ago... I'm not saying I'm a a football genius here, but, oh, good. Uh, Let's look. He lost Christian McCaffrey and Debo Samuel and an offensive lineman. And, gee, look what happens when you take some weapons away. They lost to Cleveland, okay? It's pretty good defense. Yeah, that was last week. Right, right, right. Then last night, you find yourself fighting some adversity against a desperate football team in the Minnesota Vikings. And there's no shortage of people that will tell you, Uh, I think Kyle Shanahan's record when trailing by 8 or more in the fourth quarter is 1-35. in Now, does that mean it's Brock Purdy's fault, Kyle Shanahan is said an obscure stat and so forth, but um, he he, he doesn't play well. So I guess what I'm saying is I would need a little bit more of a sample side. Now, I didn't put him in the Brady, Joe Montana, Aaron Rodgers category three weeks ago. I think he's a great story, but... You know, let's see what happens with some adversity. If you still think San Francisco is one of the uh, one of the better teams in the league, and I think you still feel that way,
0: I do. But I, I'm a again two straight weeks they lost some pretty medi- mediocre teams, uh, and I know I, Minnesota can be dangerous and all of that. But still, they lost to the two. I, I, Mike, I understand. I, I'm just saying that that
1: Mike last week Jalen Hurts was criticized because of how he played in a loss. I'm like, well, you know, take a look at their offense. We do it all the time. One month from now, if he's been up and down, then I think it's really fair to go, hey, maybe as we peel this back a little bit, maybe as teams now have started to understand what his strengths and weaknesses are, but it's
0: just what we do. Build them up, knock them down. We had a poll today, which, which, you know, Which of these four NFL contenders who lost this past week should be the most concerned? 49ers, Bills, Lions, who was the other one? The Dolphins.
1: I think the Bills are the the biggest head case right now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, You know, the Dolphins, again, we talked yesterday, beat somebody good, beating bad teams, padding stats, and things like that. I, I just think Buffalo is the bigger head scratcher right now. Because... Um, I still think you kind of wonder, man, I, I thought they were going to win, you know, 13 games and, and uh, you know, win the division. Now, I I don't know what the Bills are week to week.
0: I know you're a big baseball fan. How about my Rangers last night? Hey, huh? 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 I mean. How did uh, that taste, cheating Astros? Man.
1: Huh? Yeah. I mean, America's 27 outs away of the World Series we've wanted, the Diamondbacks and Rangers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Which I know is going to tear you apart because, you, I mean, the history of you with those two teams uh, is, uh, a, you know, phenomenal. I'm at a
0: Dole East last night. I am at God. Yeah, you know, it was done. great in
1: the ninth inning as the, the Rangers ought to close it out, and, you know, two of them gets a home run, which probably was a cork bat and a, a wire telling them what the pitch <laughs> was anyway. Um, and And then just the beauty of watching them sit there and eat it. In two games, just getting basically run ruled by the Rangers, <laughs> and the Cameron Mattress Mac who lost four million dollars betting on the
0: Astros <laughs> as he sat there watching it. The but- Rangers are an incredible baseball story, as you say. Probably not much interest outside of you know the casual you know the casual fan, but. Inside baseball, that is an amazing story, what they've done this postseason. Really good. Well, and a good roster rebuild with a mix of
1: veterans and some younger guys and then some role players. And uh, Bruce Bochy is going to go down as one of the great managers in baseball history. Just, uh, you know, if he wins a World Series here, you know, the guy's got a lot of rings he can throw at you. And um, But, again, uh, they spent August and September just – Struggling to close out games, The starters weren't pitching very well, and and then just things began to click a little bit for them. Uh, but to beat the Astros the way they did uh, in, in in the last two games uh, says a lot. But um, man, uh, Rob Manfred is is begging for the Phillies to win tonight. Otherwise, you know, Hallmark Two may get the World Series. Is that
0: Boos- is is Bruce Bochy? Doesn't he have some? Didn't he go to like Melbourne High School? or he something? Yes, yes, that's correct. Yeah, I well, actually, I'm, I'm I'm just I'm just googling him right now. Yeah, he went to Melbourne High School. Attended yep. Brevard Community College. Mm-hmm. So yeah, absolutely. He's one of ours, Daniels. He's Central Florida's own. One Bruce of Bochy. ours, right? Yeah. We claim we claim Brevard County as part of our listenership area. Absolutely, you can listen. Yeah, we. in fact, I was in Brevard County not long ago listening on the uh, on HD radio. We come on loud and clear HD radio, 101.1-2, over in Brevard County. All right, Daniels, I've done a deep dive into the two-point play conversion that's caused all of this controversy among UCF fans. I want to get into that story with you. Obviously, the NBA season tips off tonight. The Magic had big news yesterday, which sort of surprised me that they signed Cole Anthony to a three-year extension. We're going to get into all of that on The Bridge. Coming Welcome back to The Bridge, brought to you by Advent Health. Advent Health for Children's Day of Giving. That's coming up December 13th. Your chance to help kids in the hospital this holiday season. Your donation stays local and helps cover gas and grocery bills for families with kids undergoing treatment. It's a great cause. Visit GiveForKidsToday.com to donate. Daniels, we had Jeff Turner on earlier, Magic broadcaster, former Magic player. I didn't realize he was actually on the very first Magic team. Were you in Orlando 35 years ago when the Magic had their inaugural season? Yes, Mike. I moved in uh, May of 89 before
1: the fall uh, when the Magic played their first year.
0: Wow. So you've seen it all as well. Um, I love history in general, and I love sports history, obviously, Um what do you remember from that first season like and obviously the excitement in town, everybody talks about that, but what else do you remember
1: well I, you know the countdown to to the start of the year was just incredible because it was it was an n b a team in orlando uh time the magic did an appearance somewhere sent stuff out and it was a major, major event, and and the media coverage was just a different vibe back then, and everything was brand new. Everything was a first, and I remember the countdown of that first preseason game, and I remember the old Orlando Arena and the uh, you know the electricity of an opening night, and every game was a it, it was a social event in Orlando, regardless of the outcome, and the early expansion team of you know guys like Reggie Theus and Sam Vincent and uh, uh, Terry Catledge and. Um, you know, Nick Anderson and Michael Ansley, uh, Matty Gukas, uh, the coach, and, uh, you know, a young John Gable, it's his assistant. I mean, th- those guys were like rock stars because it was just an NBA team. And then the thought that the bad boy Pistons or, you know, Larry Bird and the Celtics and, 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 and the Lakers, it was like, what are these guys doing in Orlando? And it was, um, it was a great, great, great time. I was really young. I was, what, 22 years old? And, um, it was really fun because every time the magic played, it was just a a major show in town.
0: What was the, the makeup of the Orlando sports fan back then? Like now, obviously Orlando is a, you know, it's a melting pot community. A lot of transplants from wherever, from Orlando, was it like that back then? Or was, was Orlando more of a, you know, more homegrown people actually living in Orlando?
1: No, Orlando is a melting pot. Then, and I think it—it—it—it's it, part of the beauty of an expansion team's honeymoon. There's no reason to, to 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 dislike anything the team has done. There's no history of a decade of rebuilding or things like that. So, a lot of people who became Magic fans or people that had moved from someplace else that didn't have any reason to not like this team. Um, and, and still today, Mike, you know, if you go to a Magic game and they're playing the Knicks or the Celtics or somebody like that, you'll see jerseys from the other team but you know now there's a history of 34 years of magic basketball of highs and lows but back then there was nothing to dislike the team it was just fun it was the first time so and so came to town or when they won and that was rare um in those early years it was a big event i mean it was like holy smokes the magic won last night and uh coverage was different then i think the sentinel had you know Multiple beat writers and columnists. And and it was a big story every time that the team did something. And I, I think the town embraced it. It was a different era back then.
0: Yeah, and, uh, you know, for the 35-year anniversary, I wrote a column a couple days ago, just top 35 moments, in my opinion, in Magic history, whether they be good or bad moments. And, obviously, Shaq coming and Shaq going were both major moments. I'm just wondering, you talk about the ex- excitement level in Orlando when the team started. How much did that excitement level escalate when the big fella came to town? Can't describe what it was like. Um, I remember we were doing a radio show the night of the
1: lottery, and um, you know the Magic win the lottery, and I remember, uh, I don't know what member. heck, it may be me, that asked Matt Gukas, um, who are you guys going to take? <laughs> <laughs> um, but but um, it, it, it was incredible, because even at that young age, he, meaning Shaq, knew he was going to be special, um, and he knew how to play to the crowd, and he knew the thirst that Orlando had for its first true superstar, and it was a perfect fit. The departure was uncomfortable and ugly for many reasons, but the, but the courtship and the initial honeymoon was unbelievable. It, it, it was just unbelievable because you took the expansion team that's supposed to struggle for years and you made him an instant contender, and that doesn't happen that often. we got to say goodbye to the audience in Tallahassee. You can always keep listening to The Bridge with Mike and I by going to the iHeart app and search 96.9 The Game. The Bridge continues right after this station ID. W Y G M Orlando W J R R H D Two Cocoa beach. Now back to the bridge powered by Advent health with Mike Bianchi and Mark Daniels.
0: So Daniels in compiling this, this list I came up with top 35 moments in magic history. I learned again, I wasn't in Orlando in, you know, 1989 or even before that 1985, when Pat Williams and Jimmy Hewitt came up with the idea, um, but I learned a lot about magic history just putting this list together. And one of the things I learned, and I didn't know this when I, when I actually wrote the list. So, number four on the list, well, let's see where, where was it was. Number four, or number five. Um, number three on the list. Number three. The NBA is uncomfortable with Orlando's list of investors so Orlando banking and real estate magnate William DePonte III becomes the deep-pocketed majority owner that the league desires. That's actually not true. No. That's actually not true. That's that's the story you know that I sort of you know went back through some of the clips that I saw, but what happened was the NBA had flat turned down Orlando as an expansion franchise because they were uncomfortable with the relationship between between sort of Pat Williams and the ownership group yeah, I believe that's that's how it went. They didn't want the g m of the team and being so in sort of in cahoots with the the ownership group, I believe. Yeah, and there's a when, lot of different
1: versions, and uh, you know, in all due respect to the Dupont family, I don't know all the details. I know some details, and if you dig even deeper, he wasn't the face of the money either. He was a face, I should say. But the, the, I mean, you know, some of the people. Uh, I'll say this: without Jimmy Hewitt and some other people, um, David Albertson and some others, and politically, there's no Orlando Magic. Dupont's name helped calm the NBA with a face that they felt could be viewed as the owner. But there is no Orlando Magic without the people in Orlando that made it happen.
0: No, no question. Yeah, I I just didn't know that you know, Orlando. If they didn't change ownerships, they weren't going to get a franchise.
1: Yeah, and kind of what bothered though uh, some of the people in Orlando, and particularly Pat, is, but the NBA was okay with what the Heat were doing. Um, which was Billy Cunningham kind of being you know the face of miami 's franchise and the way they put their dollars together, and yet they kind of weren 't comfortable what orlando 's ownership structure was, but they worked it out. DuPont made the NBA feel calm about it, um, and i 'm not criticizing the family, but his finances were not the reason why the magic came here. There were other Orlando people, and Jimmy Ewitt being the biggest as to why the magic exists today.
0: Yeah, and then his finances sort of came apart at the seams a year or two uh, later. Very quickly, yeah. Yeah, and that's when Rich DeVos had to come in and step up and buy the team. So, yeah, I learned a lot about Magic history during all of this. So, yeah. Um Speaking of the Magic, the Cole Anthony signing yesterday. Some people, including myself, were a little bit surprised. I thought Cole Anthony might be traded at some point. Um I thought his... I thought there would be some demand for his services, and I think the Magic got a great deal on Cole Anthony. What did you think? Three years, $39 million, um, only two years guaranteed. The Magic hold the team option on the third year. Your thoughts?
1: Well, I think it's interesting, depending on uh, which side you want to uh, you know, sit on here, not that they were totally against each other. Uh, for the Magic, it's a very, very uh, favorable deal. Um, in, in today's NBA economics and what is about to become in the new, uh, economics of the NBA with the new TV deal, it's a bargain. I mean, it really is. It's an absolute bargain for someone that, that is ideally your sixth man. And it's so disrespect to Cole Anthony. I like Cole Anthony, but that's likely going to be his role. And you can make really good money and play a long time in the NBA being that guy. It's a very, But
0: I thought he would I thought he would go try to right, be I, but, I think he thinks he's a starter. Okay, but hang on a second.
1: It's a very tradable contract. I mean, that contract okay. is very tradable whether it's, you know, you're adding him to pieces of a bigger deal or whatever. Very tradable contract. For Cole Anthony, I'm going to guess a couple things here. One, he and his agent may have just got an idea about what the market is for a player like him. And maybe would se- it comes- would seem like that would be what they did. Right. So, so if, if, if you get a sense like, do I want to risk an unknown? When they just brought in a taller point guard that I'm going to guess they're going to find minutes for, do I want to risk seeing my opportunity be diminished? Meaning, am I going to get less time? I don't know. Maybe I will, maybe I won't. Do I want that risk, or do I want the security of getting a deal done that maybe is below what I think my market is, but the team can live with. I get $26 million guaranteed. I give them the option that they play well enough. And sure, if they pick up the option that third year, maybe I'm way below value. Um, or do I you know, take the gamble and go out there and, and the market's not as good? Um, his height's going to be an issue which may sound unfair, but it is in a taller NBA and I think in the end they felt like what is he? What is he? Six, one, six, six, six foot, six one. Probably, and and yeah. just take a look how the Magic draft guys. They, I mean, they prefer to yeah. draft bigger guys. And there's something else, Mike. That I think he does, um, which may also be very smart. Okay, maybe he took less than what he thinks, but he's also first to put ink to paper. And what I mean by that is, remember, Markel Fultz is eligible for an extension. He can be an unrestricted free agent. Jalen Suggs, we're still waiting for that next step. Are you proving that you're worth a second contract? So maybe Cole Anthony is like, I'm going to provide the insurance to them by getting me under contract, and maybe my opportunity happens because what you know, whatever else may happen. I think Markel Fultz really likes Orlando. I might saying he gives a big hometown discount, but I can see him taking a little bit less to stay here. But again, He's going to be an unrestricted free agent if they don't uh, get an extension done. Jalen Suggs, the team, has to make a decision soon about his long term.
0: Maybe Cole Anthony felt like, let me get in first. So essentially what you're saying is, okay, the, the Magic still, I mean, they do have too many guards. You just mentioned Markel Fultz, Cole Anthony. Um, Different position, uh, but Gary Harris is a free agent after this year as well. Yeah, So, but but you're saying, okay, even if they feel they too do have too many guards, if they need to, they can trade this very friendly contract to somebody of Cole Anthony's. Absolutely, but 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 it works both ways. Also, you could
1: trade him, but he's also now under contract. While you've got to make decisions about other guys, and so that's why I think both sides are probably very happy today. I mean, Cole Anthony would love to make more money. Not that thirteen million is jump change. But I think he's also first to the punch to get his deal done. Um, now I don't know if he plays out this contract with Orlando, but I think it's a good deal for both sides.
0: I'm glad the Magic I'm glad the Magic signed him. I love I love Cole Anthony. Yeah, I, love I just don't know. Where all I love these, yeah. I Yeah, I, I, I love to watch him play. I love him in interviews. He's he's a great quote. And he likes obviously. Being here.
1: He likes Orlando. Yeah. I mean, he's, you know, been out to UCF a lot. But I don't know where all these minutes come from. Yeah. I, I, I you know, that's for Jamal Mosley to figure out. And I still think the, the biggest issue this team has is shooting. And uh, it's the one frustrating thing. You know, you like the young players. You like the development of Paolo and Franz and Wendell Carter Jr. You know, it's very productive. But this is another year. And, and uh, you know, Joe Ingles is nice. But uh, it, this team still has not added to what remains the most important thing of the NBA, its ability to shoot and they still remain one of the worst shooting teams of the NBA, unless you're assuming a bunch of guys are just going to be a lot better. That usually doesn't happen.
0: Well, it usually doesn't happen with established players, but, you know, guys like Paolo, they can become better shooters, can't they? Even Franz? I mean, they're still developing in the league. Paolo's going into his second year. Franz is going into his third year. That doesn't usually happen that you get... I know, but it scares me,
1: though, when... You're running offense to your frontline players. And, and, you know, the Magic's main scorers are frontline guys. And it, 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 it's, it's not how you win in the NBA. You're right that those guys can get better shooting the basketball, but they're still viewed around the league as one of the worst shooting teams in the league. They have great young athletic ability, but, you know, the, the Magic still need to shoot better. That's a concern.
0: Speaking of Jamal Mosley, he will be on our show tomorrow. Open mic at around 8 a.m. as the Magic get ready to tip off the season tomorrow. There you go. Thank you. Tomorrow night. Daniels, uh, just the NBA in general tipping off tonight. Obviously, two, two games with four marquee teams playing in it. Um, Lakers and Warriors. Is a, I'm sorry, the Suns and the Warriors is the late game. And then the early game is the Lakers. In the Nuggets, I asked Jeff Turner this, I'll ask you. Five different NBA champions over the last five years. We talk about, you know, parity in the NFL and now even parity in college football with the transfer portal. Are we finally getting some parity in the NBA?
1: Um, I don't know. I think that uh, the NBA's got a group of teams that are better than a large group in the middle. Um. I, for one, I don't have time tonight. I got USA football, so I, 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 I won't be watching the Lakers <laughs> and the Nuggets. Um, I don't know. I think that the NBA, I mean, I love the NBA. I think the league lacks team rivalries. We have more, I think, player matchups that we get excited about and off-court news and uh, things like that. But it takes, you know, it takes a few months to get into the NBA year and see how storylines develop. Um, I just think the most headlines in the last several years are unhappy players that want to be traded and you know that's not going to stop even though you know Damian Little has been moved Uh, I I think the clock is probably going to be on Joel Embiid and you got James Harden out there James Harden what the hell is going on with him but you know, let's see how guys like Victor Wembayama come into this league, and, and and maybe they will wow us. And I, I marvel. LeBron James is the oldest player in the NBA, Mike, and still plays at that level. So it's not a lack of storylines, um, but we'll see how the year goes. But but I do think that there's a handful of teams that are are better than, you know, a bunch of teams that are just there in the middle. Are the Magic part of that? Maybe. Maybe they're on the low end of that middle pack. Uh, you hope so.
0: So we tried to come up with a you know a list of you know the you know because we do Twitter polls we mm-hmm. tried to come up with four options for best storylines in the NBA this year as far as a national basis, and so we listed the four storylines you know Damian and Giannis getting together in Milwaukee and LeBron is is this his last dance? Um, what else do we have? We had Bradley Beal joining the Phoenix Suns, Knicks running away with the East. No, we did not have the Knicks what? involved in this. But but what we left out, obviously, Denver Nuggets, can they repeat? It's just, I don't know why, but the Denver Nuggets just don't get the run that some of these other teams get, do they?
1: No, because their best player is, you know, the big lumpy guy that just runs around and is arguably the most skilled big man ever play the
0: game. Wim Banyama was the other one we came up with. So, yeah, right. I just think... I just don't think anybody's like on the edge of their seats wondering if the Nuggets can repeat. <laughs> and yet the roster is every bit
1: as good as the team that won a championship last year. Um, but, I, you know, I mean, there's something to the, you know, the grind of, of a season. And, and I do think when you finally make it, um, I do think you lose a little bit of that juice for the 82 game stretch. You know, One of my problems with the NBA, and I, again, I applaud their attempt at an in-season tournament, I don't know if I'll like it or not, is that... Um, You'll like it. I don't know. Uh, is that I I just believe that too many teams and players just don't care about half the season. It's just like, I know we're going to make the playoffs, I'll go through the grind of the year, I'll get excited about some games, I won't care about some other games, we're going to do load management, and... And then, uh, what are we? Oh, okay, we're fifth or fourth. Cool. And Daniels, you'll be popping
0: it. the court if your Knicks win the NBA Cup midseason tournament. <laughs> when
1: we hang that banner next to the Red Holtzman <laughs> banner up there at the Garden, you better believe right. it for crying out loud. Yeah. All right. Wow. You want to talk about two-point conversions now we come back? You want to do that? I do, and the Michigan spying, yes. All right, we'll do that when the bridge brought to Bavin Health continues next. Three. Mike, can I get a little uh, uh, promo in for something on my show? Absolutely.
0: Go again, say. You in the, uh, the 11
1: o'clock Go. hour, uh, uh, Jason Siegel, a good friend of the Great Orlando Sports Commission, and uh, Mark Tester, who's the executive director for the Orange County Convention Center. going to be in studio. We're going to talk about a lot of things in sports, also a little tourist development tax money. Um, TDT? Yep. Um, a lot of people ask about the convention center, the amount of money they get, but uh, Mark's going to be in here. He's going to talk a little bit about that. And you're gonna
0: you're you're jumping on the
1: convention center bandwagon, aren't you? Well, I'm not in here to do a Mike Wallace grilling him for you know 60 minutes and so <laughs> forth. But <laughs> no, no uh, gonna come in. We're gonna uh, talk about that and and some of the upcoming projects. And Jason Siegel's also going to talk about um, if the World Cup is dropping L.A. And right now there seems to be no path for L.A. to 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 host World Cup matches for the disagreement over the field and revenue sharing. He's just letting you know, mm. hey, Orlando's sitting here ready. You know, we were part of the bid process before and everything. So we'll talk to Jason about that also when he joins us. So well, Maybe be breaking a little news on the, the beat of sports trying later, to do huh? Something here. You know, trying to do something. By the way, um, I, like I, I, I think you commented before we do a little college football and everything. Dari Noka was great last night at the Touchdown Club. You had a good time with that, huh?
0: Oh, God. <laughs> he showed a video. That you don't get to see on the air with them on the SEC network. Him, Chris Dorian. It was when Gene Chizik was on the SEC network with them, and and Gene Chizik was lauding one of his buddies who was the offensive coordinator at Kentucky, like he did, like he he did almost every week back then, I guess. Right. So they just started laughing. On the air, luckily the camera was only focused on Gene Chizik, but Dari Noka showed us the other cameras and what was happening off screen. And Chris Doring and Dari Noka are just howling with laughter. Uh. Laughter. And Daniels, the, the best part, as you mentioned last night, is Gene Chizik, even while these guys are essentially laughing in his face, all right, off camera, he just keeps right on talking. I, I mean, you I, want to talk about a pro I, that I could not do that, Daniels. You would be able to do that because but, you're a consummate but, pro and a broadcaster. I would just like, what are you guys laughing? Why are you guys laughing at me? I would just have said that on the air, Mike. It is an Emmy Award winning performance because
1: Chizik, not a TV guy, is able to right. keep it together and knows he needs to keep talking because the other two can't stop laughing and he just can't <laughs> stop talking. That's why Gene deserves an Emmy uh, for it, because it, it, it was just unbelievable. I mean,
0: I, I, I've been in a similar situation a few times, but um, that was just fantastic. <laughs> that was just unbelievable. It was. yeah, It was, and Dari Noka was a great guest speaker. By the way, if you're interested in joining the Orlando Touchdown Club, OrlandoTDClub.com. Daniels and I are both members. We're there every meeting, every other Monday. It's a great time. Gene Matthews a in time. a couple of weeks, too, so that'll be uh, that'll be fun. All right, two-point conversion. What do you want? All right, so obviously Gus <laughs> yesterday had his Monday presser. I don't know how he—he he probably got four or five questions about the um, the two point conversion. You could tell he was a little tired talking about it, but he got the questions. He answered them and said, "Listen, it didn't work." So yeah, it's fair criticism. Mm-hmm. Daniels, I went back and watched that play because I, I read a—I was reading Matt Murshel's story. Let me see if I can find the quote. Um, anyway, I'll paraphrase Darren Henshaw, the offensive coordinator at UCF. He was quoted in Ma- Matt Marshell's story in the Orlando Sentinel as saying the play is designed that the you know the lateral uh, Xavier Townsend catches the lateral and he's supposed to throw the ball immediately after he catches it. Um, essentially, boom boom, catch the ball, throw the ball. Mm-hmm. That's how the pl- play is designed, and if if that had happened, and again, high pressure situation, I understand players don't always execute perfectly, but if that had happened, if Xavier Townsend catches the ball and throws it, all right, so when he catches the ball, I went back and looked at this like 10 times this morning. You probably looked at it more times than that. When he catches the ball, the defender, the oncoming defender is like six and a half yards away from him. So, there's a there's an alleyway for him to catch and throw. Now, obviously, the defender is coming quick, so this is a matter of you know a second at the most that you have. But for whatever reason, Xavier Townsend just keeps on drifting and never throws the ball and gets tackled. But if he'd have thrown the ball, boom, boom, Javon Baker's open in the end zone by by two steps. So so um, just saying. Well, Uh, to me, it was a good play call. It just mm -hmm. wasn't
1: executed. Right. And, uh, yes, you can go back and take a look at it. Xavier Townsend is split out wide left, and he comes in motion to the backfield where R.J. Harvey's to the right of John Rice Plumley. Then he goes back out in motion left where the lateral is thrown. There is uh, a corner safety and nickel for Oklahoma. Uh, The corner split out wide. Uh, bites and he runs towards uh, Xavier Townsend as you mentioned there's a few yards gap between them. The nickel and the safety are beat. Damon yeah. Baker is past them and if the ball is thrown he's wide open. He ends up taking several steps and as you said and it's not blaming Xavier the moment and everything it's easy for us to slow it down and know exactly what we would do Um and he doesn't get rid of the ball, and, and and if you watch it, you see that there's a moment, like, if you don't get rid of it, the angle's done, and the two guys are back in coverage, which they did not do earlier when they were running plays like that, and mm. the play doesn't work. If people want to go back also, Mike, because, again, this, this complicated game can be simplified. I often say this. Go back on the fourth and ten play at the 12-yard line on the touchdown that gives you skip the chance for the two-point conversion, okay? Like people want to say I would have run this play and this is what I would have done because of this this this. Go back and watch the touchdown and understand what happens. Okay? Javon Baker is on the left side, Kobe Hudson, Xavier Townsend are on the right side. The play is designed for those two to slowly, not that there's a pick, slowly take out the corner and his safety to allow Javon Baker to slip underneath. Uh, the middle, second level, and 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 you've got to slowly do it. You can't sell it so fast. And then sneak past the linebacker that realizes, wait, i got to help on coverage. It's a perfect, beautifully designed play for the touchdown. We never talk about those. <laughs> no one ever wants right. to take a look at the play and go, wow, look what happened there. It's not like Javon Baker did a playground play. Go back and watch. The two guys have to take out the inside without it being a pick. Baker's got to wait, 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 go. The line's got to block, and then once he gets past, he's wide open. And and plumey has got to hit him. Nobody ever talks about the design of plays like that. We just
0: talk about the play that didn't work. By the way, somebody claimed on the text line this morning, it was one of our Ask Mark questions, um, that UCF is 0-4 in two-point uh, conversions this year, which is the correct stat. But the texter... Uh, alleges that all four were trick plays. Is that true? I don't know. I mean, maybe okay. they are. I, I you
1: would re- I didn't go back. I, I don't thought remember. you would remember. Yeah, I don't remember every play, and uh, that is Xavier Townsend's first
0: pass. Um, it's to me, first... that would be the one criticism. If I if I was going to criticize, that would be it. Okay, discuss, Mike. I, yeah, I, Mike I, I, and I
1: think you've said this. There is nothing wrong in in uh, a sane fan questioning. That play and why you run, I, I, I don't argue that. It, it, it's just when the person doesn't have a little bit of balance. Like I said, do you understand how cool the play was for the touchdown? Did, I mean, do you understand they they had a freshman running the route that Plumley hits him for a 39-yard pass and how perfect the throw was by Plumley, The out pattern that Baker runs and how Plumley puts the ball in the exact spot. I get why we magnify the two-point conversion play and I think it's fine to, to, to say, hey, I wonder if they could have run this. It's just when people act like, um, well, oh gosh, why would you ever think about doing it? And as you pointed out, well, here's what happened. Here's the guy who, who is wide open if the ball is thrown um, at that moment. But that's what, you know, win, lose, and that's what fans are going to be. And, and that's okay. It's just, I mean, you have to live with it today in college football, the way people react to stuff. Absolutely.
0: All right. Peace. Love, boil peanuts, have a great
1: show. All right, Mike, we got a busy uh, Double Shot Tuesday. Um, there's a list of the most played ever karaoke songs. Uh, that'll be today's theme for Double Shot Tuesday. Uh, I wasn't shocked when I saw the number one song. Well, there's some other songs on there that kind of blew my mind away. But it is uh, songs that you'll always hear at karaoke. Maybe you're into that. Maybe you're one of those people who sings those songs. 5085, we kick off a Tuesday. edition should be the sports next